Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. We had the chance to sit down with Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle, Archbishop of Manila, while he was in Baltimore to speak to the Mid-Atlantic Congress, an annual gathering of pastoral leaders from the uh, Eastern Seaboard, to learn how to better help Catholics become disciples of Christ. Cardinal Tagle, the Archbishop of Manila, was ordained a priest in 1982. He was ordained a bishop in 2001 for the Diocese of Imus and became Archbishop of Manila 10 years later. He was elevated to the College of Cardinals a year later in 2012. He served in a variety of ministries at the national, regional, and international level, including serving as an elected member of the Council of the Synod of Bishops since 2005. He's currently a member of several Vatican councils and dicasteries, including the Congregation for Catholic Education, Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples, Pontifical Council for the Family, Pontifical Council for the Pastoral Care of Migrants and Itinerant People, Congregation for Institutes of Consecrated Life and Societies of Apostolic Life, and the Pontifical Council for the Laity. He's familiar with our area as he received his doctorate in sacred theology from the Catholic University of, of America, just down the road from us in Washington, DC. Welcome to the show, Your Eminence. It sounds like you have a pretty full life outside of Manila. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us first today, what was your message for the folks at the Mid-Atlantic Congress? The theme for that conference is hope. What's your message? The message is this. Hope is, of course, uh, fundamentally a gift of God. We cannot produce hope. We, even in, in the Catholic tradition, we call it a theological virtue. So it comes from God, and it is directed towards God. We hope in God, and hope in God is based on the certainty of faith. And so in the midst, when we look at the Bible, and this is one thing that I would like to impress on, on the delegates. When you look at the Bible, both the, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, hope arises in the midst of absurd and uh, difficult situations. When there are situations of darkness, of conflicts, of distress, that's the time when God gives the gift of hope. Very often, when we are subjected to suffering, our tendency is to complain, and that's understandable. Some would even go to depression, and that is also humanly uh, uh, understandable. But our faith tells us this is the right moment for us to see how God is inviting us to himself. Mm -hmm. Hope is directed at God. We hope in God. We hope in the promises of God. We hope in the action of God. And that gives us serenity. That gives us the certainty that beyond the darkness, there is something beautiful, the story of God. In our world today, there is a lot of things that bring people down, bring people almost to the point of despair and yeah. saying, this is just not, why are we doing all of this? And 
hope then becomes really the only thing that can lift us out of that, isn't it? Yes, that's true. And this is one of the, uh, I think, the uh, callings to Christians to understand true hope, to appreciate it, to see how it has been renewing, reshaping their own lives in the midst of sufferings, in the midst of things that we do not fully understand. We learn from Jesus, we learn from the Blessed Mother, we learn from Saint Joseph, we learn from Abraham, Moses, and all these people who had to, to, to live through difficult moments, yet they trusted mm -hmm. in the Lord. And so this is our way of uh, also influencing the world, a world that has become quite desperate, fearful, and therefore violent. Yes. Now violence is a sign of hopelessness, you know, and, uh, and, then, and so for us, instilling hope, awakening hope, also brings with it a message of peace. Mm -hmm. Then we begin to see not only the situations that we are immersed in, but also other people with the eyes of hope. You see something good in others. Yes. You see, you see uh, the presence of God. And then you start trusting and you start celebrating too. It seems that for us as Catholics who, who are supposed to know Christ and know the hope in Christ that, that he brings, it's even more important these days for us to be immersed in our faith, to embrace that, and to embrace that call, as Pope Francis and many others have said, to be missionary disciples, to take what we know about Christ and to go out in the world and to bring that hope to others. How do you suggest that we Catholics in the pew do that? I mean, how do we take what we know in Mass on Sunday and bring it out into the world? You used a, a, an important uh, expression there, missionary disciples. Technically, those are two words no, with, with two different emphases. A disciple is a follower. And in the Bible, a follower is a student. The, the Greek word for disciple is the same word as a student. So someone who's willing to learn yes. <laughs> from the master. So that's the first, uh, the first challenge to us as Catholics, to continuously learn from Jesus to listen to his word, to behold his person, to, uh, uh, to, to imbibe his spirit, to learn from him, to follow him in a never-ending process of formation and education. But then, that uh, learning from Jesus, that discipleship, is not meant to, you know, to, to give us a gift that I can store and keep for myself. If it is good news, then it must be shared. Mm -hmm. We become missionaries, okay? A missionary is someone who is sent by his master. Mm -hmm. So the discipleship and the missionary component of it really should not be separated. No, but we Catholics have done that for a long time. No. We have the term evangelization, the, the proselytism has not been part of our culture for so long. We thought if we were disciples of Christ, that was enough. That was it. Yeah. And now we're being challenged to say, no, that's not enough. We have to share that message with yes, others. Yes. And uh, I, I guess uh, for a long time, we have associated the word mission or the word missionary with the ordained and with some religious orders specifically founded for foreign missions. But we are being sent as uh, the bearers 
of the gospel, the good news, everywhere, even at home. <laughs> Parents should, uh, should be evangelizers to their children. Couples should evangelize each other. You know? And then within the neighborhood, students in their schools and uh, in our workplaces, we are not asked to do everything in your state of life and within your capacity and within the gift that the Holy Spirit has given you, your what we call charism, there, do your mission. But you can do it only if you strive to be a learner, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right. And that's so important today because what we need to do is to combat this despair and, yes. and depression and the violence in, in our cities and bring that hope to other people. Yes, yes. If each Christian, each Catholic, would take the missionary calling seriously and do it with humility, no, but with grace and joy, no, wherever he or she is sent by the Lord, no, you know, if we do it together, I'm sure we will be cooperating with Jesus in the sowing of the seeds of the Word of God and the words of truth, justice, peace, and hope. And, and people, especially non-Catholics, non-Christians, they notice that. Yes. They notice that. So uh, we have no excuse. We cannot say, oh, I, I, uh, it's useless. I will sow the seeds of the Word of God, but nobody notices it. That's not true. That's not true. Many people who are interiorly sad and despairing, they are on the lookout. Wherever there is a sign of hope, of love, of compassion, you know, they see that and they're attracted to that. They're magnetized to that. So we have to provide <laughs> those spaces for them to encounter the person of Jesus. Wonderful. After the break, we're going to talk some more with Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle of Manila. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back on Catholic Baltimore talking with Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle of Manila. He was in Baltimore in February to speak to the Mid-Atlantic Congress for Pastoral Leaders. We're coming up on the fifth anniversary of the election of Pope Francis, and in many ways that has changed our church and changed our world. What's your reflection on his impact in the church, in the world, since his election? 
Wow, that's a quite complex uh, <laughs> question. No, but uh, please pardon me if I if I speak as a Filipino from Asia. That that's the world that I. That's I your know. state in life. Yes, yes. Uh, but because of my my involvement also with the many offices in the Vatican and my trips, so I I, I get also a bit uh, some sort of an international or universal view of it. I think one thing that uh, uh, Pope Francis has 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 brought, you know, not that. He's the only one who has done it. But in our time, it is to provide a human face to the papacy. Mm -hmm. For so long, the papacy as an office, as a ministry, has been highly regarded by people. And when we say highly, it's almost literally high up there Mm -hmm. and so quite distant from the people. Pope John Paul II tried to bring and, and we thank him for that. Yes. And uh, Pope Benedict also. I know of Pope Benedict. I worked with him. He was a very shy person, gentle but very shy. But when he became a pope, oh, he, he opened his heart also again. Now, Pope Francis, coming from Latin America, you know, and the bringing that tradition to the papacy, you know, in a way, shook the world. Yes. When, when, when the Filipinos saw him, for the first time as Pope you know, uh, on television, touching a statue of Our Lady, the persons living with me in the, in the residence, you know, the workers, they said, oh, the Pope is like us. He is like us. You know, because you know, with the Spanish influence also in the Philippines, we touch statues, uh-huh. we like that. No. And especially a devotion to Our Lady. Our Lady, yeah. So they said, wow, the Pope could be like one of us, and we, the way we, we, we pray, the way we, uh, we, we, we connect with, with the divine, you know? uh, even the highest office in, yes. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the world, in the Catholic Church, uses such an expression. So it, it has, uh, he has, has succeeded in, uh, in bringing that uh, closeness to people. And then his language, you know, in fact, uh, uh, some people who are used to the uh, the, the uh, so-called uh, uh, official yeah. <laughs> way of communicating, if you are uh, uh, occupying a particular office, well, they were quite surprised that the Pope could be as casual as, uh, as he is and could use terms that are understandable no, mm-hmm. uh, to ordinary people, accessible, you know, even jokes yes. that uh, so say, oh wow, the Pope using that type of joke is that proper. You know, but it, it brings the papacy very, very close to people. So the, and so the, 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 the pastoral, what he calls pastoral conversion, mm-hmm. the accompaniment of peoples, taking peoples where they are, I think uh, those things will make sense as proposals from him, as pastoral approaches, only if we accompany our reflection with that, mm-hmm. encountering people and bringing our office, our ordained ministry or other ministries where people are. Mm-hmm. And you've served on the Pontifical Council for the Family, and uh, when I look back at what he uh, said in the, the Mass during uh, the World Day of Families, in uh, Philadelphia a few years ago, and he went off his script. 
And he got so excited about his topic, his translator couldn't keep up with him because he kept going because he, he wanted to say these things. And they were, he was talking about families like we know them, you know, not like the Pope knows them, but like, like people, like real people. And I think that made a difference for, for folks. You saw him uh, when he came, of course, were with him when he came to the Philippines. Did you see that same kind of thing there? Yes, yes. He, he had uh, uh, speeches, homilies already prepared, uh, uh, edited many times over probably, you know, and then uh, he, he, uh, he had to speak in English and Spanish, so well-crafted. So this happened uh, many times in the Philippines. He would have encounters with families, with the youth, mm -hmm. and with people who suffered on account of the typhoons. And he had texts prepared. But when something, or a word, or a person, or a family, you know, catches his attention, he departs from the text. Mm -hmm. One uh, un uh, unforgettable moment for me was his his encounter with the young. Mm -hmm. no. uh, the, the organizing committee had already chosen some young people to represent different sectors, like university students, the street kids, mm -hmm. those who are uh, grappling with, with social media, and the possible addiction, all of those. And they had their questions already set to roll. So the Father, Holy Father had some idea, and I think he had prepared some responses. Now, the, the first person, young person to address the Pope came from the streets, but she now lives in a shelter mm -hmm. uh, operated by some church people in the foundation. So she read through her prepared sharing, and but she also departed from the text. And at that moment, you know, the Holy Father was following the translation. But then the, at that moment, uh, the girl burst into tears. You know? and, and, and she was speaking in Filipino. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Father turned to me and said, why is she crying? You know, what, what, was, what was she saying when she cried? I said, well, she just said, many young people like me are suffering. Why does God allow the suffering of children? Why does God allow this? And the Holy Father just shook his head. And when it was time for him to respond, he just left uh, the prepared text on the seat and said, we all saw the tears of uh, Giselle. She said, don't be afraid to cry. In the Bible, even Jesus cried a number of times. Yeah? And, and with tears, we see clearly. With tears, we see clearly. So it is genuine strength to be able to cry. Mm -hmm. and beautiful, beautiful. So this is it. Bringing, bringing... Uh, not only the papal ministry, the Petrine ministry, but all types of ministry to where people are, you know, and not to provide facile or quick answers, to appreciate that sometimes we also do not know. 
the answer. And the best that we could do is to be with the people, to cry with them, to join them in their, in their struggle, and maybe with a journey shared with them. And our discipleship, or both of us, could see, you know, And maybe God. give them hope. Yes. You've worked extensively with Caritas, the church organization that uh, provides aid and assistance throughout the world. And while you were in Baltimore here, uh, you met with staff at the headquarters of Catholic Relief Services, which is the U.S. Bishop's Agency for, uh, for Relief. What kind of impact does CRS and Caritas have around the world? Oh, well, uh, the Caritas Internationalis is a confederation. We have more than, uh, I think we have 165 members. And the members are the... Uh, local caritases that are the social arms of the bishops. Mm -hmm. So all the members are literally the bishops' conferences and their mm -hmm. arm. So here with the U.S. bishops, we have uh, Catholic Charities, USA, and CRS. Right. Uh, these past uh, years, uh, uh, CRS just uh, is completing its 75th uh, year of service. We see more and more the need for communion and solidarity. Uh, no church, no church can respond singularly to all the needs of the people, even in its own locality. And it is a good witness to people, especially where Christians are very few. Mm -hmm. when, when CRS or Caritas Germany or Caritas France or Caritas El Salvador, they come together to help a people who may not be Christian, but in their need, we see a brother or sister. We see a human being whose dignity must be promoted. And this has a big, big impact. You know, it, it is, in fact, the, the most potent way to engage in interfaith dialogue, interreligious dialogue, social and human development. So CRS, in communion with the other members, really are giving a face to the church as, as the body of Christ, where people are embraced, where universal love is extended. And so we, 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 we rejoice that CRS and the bishops of the U.S., Catholic uh, Charities USA, uh, are all part of this uh, circulation of love, as you yes. call it. Huh? Yeah. Absolutely. We've got just a little bit of time left. I know you've got a busy day. But um, immigration is an important topic uh, in our the United States right now. It's really an important topic throughout the world. If you look at Myanmar and all of these other places, Syria, you work with the Pontifical Council you know, for migrants and itinerant people. What are the, how do we help people who in these areas that are in so much turmoil? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Uh, last year, Caritas International, the Confederation, launched a, a campaign on the humane uh, treatment of migrants. And the Holy Father launched it in St. Peter's Square. Now, we, we use you know, four, the four words that Pope Francis normally employs when he talks about our pastoral approach to the migrants. It is first to welcome, secondly to protect, because they are vulnerable to human uh, trafficking, smuggling, prostitution, and new forms of slavery, to promote their human development, 
human dignity mm-hmm. and to integrate to integrate them into the community so that their potentials you know could be harnessed for their own good and for the good also of the host uh, uh, community but all of these are, are 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 part of what we call the culture of personal encounter it is easy to reduce migration to a concept mm-hmm. to a phenomenon and and, and there's so much fear fear generated Absolutely. when we talk about the idea the concept but we say though in caritas and in the church this is not a concept this is about human beings so go meet a migrant mm-hmm. see a human face touch a human hand listen to human stories and you will discover that they are like you <laughs> they are just like us with the same dreams the same pains and then we share the journey. That's part of the, uh, the campaign, share, share the, journey. the journey. Very good. Thank you so much. We've been talking today with Cardinal Luis Ant- Antonio Tagle of Manila. Thank you so much for being with us, Your Eminence. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. This is Chris Gunty. You've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.